Welcome back to Christian's Colloquy. I'm Christian, and I'm so glad that you could join me again this week. As you can see from today's title, or if you've been listening around, keeping your ear to the pavement, as they say, I have an interview today. Some of you will have known that. Some of you, this will be a surprise for you. So here we are on the show, and I'm joined by my friend Merrick. He's been on the channel before. Some of you will remember him, but if not, you're in for a treat today. Thank you for joining us, Merrick. Yeah, thank you. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Fantastic. So as is tradition on the channel, I will now let Merrick introduce himself to you, just give you a bit of background about who he is, what he's about, so that then we can interview him. So Merrick, let us know who you are. Yeah, sure. Uh, so I'm Merrick. I'm just, just a high schooler. I live in the Midwest. I'm a baptized member in a local Baptist congregation. Um, I, I really like uh, digging into the historicity of the, the, the Baptist tradition and what it has to offer. I, I really love studying, um, just, just, just studying theology and, and learning more about um, God and his church and how he's established his church and specifically um, how his people have, have coped with certain things over time and, and through church history. And so I think what we'll be talking about today really uh, ties into that as an expression of that. Fantastic. That That's good stuff. And uh, I've mentioned it before. It's been on the channel before. Merrick has a blog that is really good stuff. I've shared some of those articles. I read them, enjoyed them. There'll be a link to that down below. Merrick is a wonderful guy, a great Christian young man. I look forward to watching him put out more material and being more active. So he's definitely one you want to keep your eye on if you're interested in Christian history, apologetics, and devotional life, all that kind of stuff. So Merrick, thanks again for being on. We have a interesting conversation lined up and I think we could just dive in as people will again see I know uh, in the title it's pretty obvious what we're talking about we're talking about hymnody that's an interesting term it comes up a lot on the channel some people will know it from their church lives but we're going to dig in into hymnody a little bit but then really talk about one hymn a hymn that has been influential in your life over the past year especially with everything going on but before we get there let's just dive in and I'm going to ask the question, you could say whatever you like, but what about hymnody interests you? Why are we here talking about hymnody? What, what is it? Why are you into it? And maybe a little bit of why we should be into hymnody. Yeah, that, that, that's a good question. Um, I think for me, uh, when I first started studying theology or um, reading stories about these wonderful uh, Christian uh, writers and uh, things I found I found hymnody to be a, a culmination of all that it's 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 all of this kind of bottled into a package that is that is sung during worship um, so I would say what we have in hymns is almost the the culmination of all these poetic achievements and brilliant music which as we know music is something that really uh, both music and art really reflect the culture that it was written in um, so so when we, when we have these all coming together, it, it's really just this, this high quality package of, of theology and uh, of pastoral guidance almost. And uh, it's, it's really quite a beautiful thing. There's, there, there's something about uh, going to church on the Lord's day and opening up the hymnal to the, the first hymn you're going to sing and finding that it's one you haven't heard before, mm. but then you start to sing and you realize that you recognize the tune but you'd never experienced the deeply thoughtful words uh, in each verse of each stanza. And then you look at the bottom of the hymnal 
uh, and you see how long ago it was written, uh, it, it's, there's just, just a testament there about how God's truth is timeless. Uh, the, the fact of the matter is the people that are writing these hymns that we sing in church really, really knew their Bible and, and they held it uh, as it's inspired. Um, and that's, that's something I think we should cherish and it's really manifested in their writing. Mm, that, that's a good word. And I, I like the couple of the points you brought in there where the hymns, they present this rich theological tradition, understanding, and it brings along with that tradition, we could say it brings it with it, that history of the individuals who wrote these hymns. And the way you describe that in a lot of ways, it's kind of like scripture where you have this amazing, wonderful Old Testament that prevent, presents so much theology then you get to the Psalms and it's the theology put into thoughtful, poetic verse. And that's really what we have with the hymns where we have this rich Christian history and theology and the hymns is where that's brought out in poetic verse and then sung by the people together. That's fantastic and a great introduction. Why we like hymns, why we like talking about this, those historic hymns, there's a lot going on there. So that that's a great place to start. And from there, we're going to zoom in on that hymn that I mentioned, we're talking about one in particular, I'm going to briefly introduce it by reading the first verse, and then I'm going to let you unpack it in a few questions. So just to read the hymn, we're talking about today, Abide With Me. Some of my audience, I'm sure, will know that hymn. It's a pretty popular hymn if you're using an older hymn book, but let me read out the first verse. I'll leave a link in the description down below where you can read the whole thing. Remember, hymns can be read like poems, they can be digested, but also sung. So I'll also leave a link to people singing it. Fantastic. But here's the first verse just to jog your memory if you already know it, or if you haven't, here's probably a good uh, advertisement why you want to check it out. So abide with me. Abide with me. Fast falls the eventide. The darkness deepens. Lord, with me abide. When other helpers fail and comforts flee, help of the helpless, Oh, abide with me. All right. That's fantastic. I love that one too. And I'm glad Merrick's going to talk about it a little bit. So the first question I have for Merrick, and please, again, take this however you like. We want to hear your thoughts on it. What draws you to this hymn in particular? We've spoken about this hymn a bit over the past year, but maybe you want to share with the audience what, why this hymn? If you had to pick a hymn to talk about and to share with us, why abide with me? Yeah, that, that's a great question. Um, Towards the beginning of 2020, when the, the lockdown really started and the, the fear was in the air, um, I remember reading those beautiful words in the first stanza uh, and then in the later stanzas as well of how God is the help of the helpless and when other helpers and comforts flee that we can still abide in him. Uh, I remember hearing one of the later stanzas, which reads, I need thy presence every passing hour. Uh, what but thy grace can foil the tempter's power? And it really impacted me and it struck me uh, being at home during quarantine. I realized how easy it could be to simply fall into sadness uh, with what's going on in the world. Um, but realizing that every hour I needed to be continually abiding in God's presence, uh, it, it really struck me. And to realize that uh, someone else had, uh, you know, many, many, <laughs> a very long time ago, or what feels like a long time ago, had written about the same thing. It, it, was, it, was, it was really uh, impacting. The, the comfort that can be received from reading another Christian's writings about how they found solace in God and his promises, it, it truly is, it's priceless. To be able to know that God's promises of comfort to his people 
are true. Um, not, not that I was having issue doubting them, but uh, these hymns and these writings, which as you mentioned, this, this was originally a poem, uh, not necessarily, it wasn't put to a tune until after the writer Henry Light was uh, passed away, uh, which comes into the history um, I'll mention in a little bit. Uh, but to have evidence of that by reading hymnody, it in not only reading it, but singing it in your congregation with pe the people you love right by your side. Mm. Uh, it's truly a wonderful, a wonderful experience. Right on. Amen. And may maybe let's talk a little bit about that, where there's sort of, you talk about this hymn, how it got you through hard times, but you mentioned there was this sort of discovery on your own, but then there's also singing it with the church. And those are two ways that perhaps the hymn is encouraging. So maybe you want to spell that out a little bit. Why would singing a hymn or reading a hymn or whatever we're doing on our own, how do we approach that? Is it weird to just pick up a hymn book and read it? Or is that something you'll do? And maybe you want to talk about that a little bit. I know a lot of Christians understand singing together as a church, but how do hymns fit into your own reading personally alone at home? Is that something you do? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that that's definitely something I do. I, I read um, I read my hymnal very often. Uh, our our organist at church she um, she she really introduced me to actually just sitting down and reading a hymnal. Um, she she loves to read uh, her hymnal. She she loves to talk about it, uh, and we were just talking about some, some some things going on in our lives, and it was just such a comfort to know that not only am I reading the same hymns that uh, people wrote hundreds of years ago that were dealing with hard things, but I'm also reading the same hymns that people in my church are reading, that people that can comfort me uh, and share their experiences with me are reading. Um, so yeah, it, it, it certainly is a congregational thing. Um, I think of singing a hymn, right? Uh, many churches in liturgy will uh, confess, say the Apostles' Creed towards the end. And so that, that's confessing doctrine. Um, but for hymns, I think of it almost as if uh, you're, you're confessing, um, and I'm not talking about confessing sins. When I say confessing, I mean pronouncing to believe in something. Right. Um, as, as confessing uh, pastoral truth or things within the process of sanctification, the, the ups and downs, um, you know, the, the going back and forth, the struggles with sin, the, the realization of Christ's victory in our lives, our union with Christ, um, I, I view it sort of like that. So yeah, it, hymn, hymnals are definitely something that um, should should be read, especially in light of realizing that a lot of the hymns we have today were originally penned as just poems. And and that, that goes back to your, your episode on Cooper. Um, a lot of what he writes is, uh, is, is just a poem and, you know, um, added to added to a tune later, but um, yeah. Yeah, no, that that's great. And when you uh, think about them as being written as poems first, and maybe this is a place where we see historic hymnody sort of separated from contemporary worship. This isn't an episode to rip on contemporary worship songs. I think a lot of them are great and fantastic, but thinking about our shared interest in historic hymnody, when you think about the the poem and the effort that goes into linking lines together, rhyming and just being read. And you're thinking about this audience that is going to deeply engage with a poem. I think that's where you see a lot of the rich language comes out of the deep thought that goes into a lot of these hymns as they're originally written. And when you think about it, getting into that link between theology, confessing theology, and then everything that follows, I 
as you were saying that, I was thinking, yeah, reading the hymns on our own and getting to know different older hymns and reading this, these hymn books, how learning a lot of this language helps in our prayer lives and how we confess the faith as we get new, well-thought-out words and phrases to say that encapsulate so much of our theology. So I, I think that's definitely a, a fantastic project to be on. And there is that connection, not only with the church today, but also the church in the past. So you, you mentioned something there. I know uh, you like reading the hymns and you're interested in Abide With Me and other hymns. You mentioned hymn books. Uh, what kind of hymn books are you into? Sorry, that wasn't a question I had for you, but uh, it just came yeah. to mind. Yeah. Yeah, um, that, that's a good question. Um, just b- back to what you said real quickly. Yeah. Um, you, you mentioned how historic hymnody, a lot of these hymns, when you think about them, they're not really a lot of them weren't originally intended to be sung in congregations. When we think about uh, Cooper's poetry, or even myself as someone who is, has written poetry, it's not been something I've said, okay, I'm going to write this, and it's going to be something that's going to be sung in churches. And I'm sure that's not what Cooper was thinking. Maybe he was, I don't know. Um, but when he's having this deep depression, and he's writing what he is, um, that's not what go- what's going through his head. And so off the bat, you you would think, well, if, if the person wasn't even intending me to sing this in church, um, maybe it wouldn't be the most applicable. But I would say it's the very reason that they weren't intending for us uh, to sing it, but that it was out of their own sorrow and their own uh, realization of the Lord's presence in their life and their necessity of abiding in him, like with the hymn we're talking about, um, that we can really connect. So we don't need the person to have... Um, specifically written it to be sung in congregations throughout the world to be able to connect. It's in those most intimate and uh, connected moments with uh, their feelings um, that we can really connect. But in regards to what you said about uh, hymnals, I, um, a couple months ago, I was, uh, I, I was at church on the Lord's Day. And my pastor came up to me and he showed me this uh, hymnal that was inherited uh, to his wife. And uh, it was in, I believe, an 1891 uh, Methodist Episcopal hymnal. And it was just um, so amazing to see it and to read it, um, to think about the scenarios of, okay, 100 years ago, someone is singing hymns from here. Um, And to run those scenarios in my head of the songs or the hymns they're singing now might have been considered contemporary back Mm. then, but we could sing the same hymns today in our church and we did and we would consider them a little bit older or at the very least certainly not contemporary and and that just kind of demonstrated to me the the timelessness of god's truth which is manifest in uh, hymnody Mm. that's a great word where these reflections though we might have a different vocabulary today to some extent we're speaking about the same scripture the same god and the same truth and history that he's worked out and there's a power in that connection. I think that's why a lot of people, well, a lot of people, why yeah, some people really find history so interesting, how history connects to us today. And in the future, people look back on us as historical figures or historical movements. And it's also very interesting how God is at work throughout history. So that that's great. And I, I think that what we mentioned before, what you were talking about a little bit, where definitely some of those hymns started as inward 
sort of personal reflections being expressed on page. And I know uh, some hymns were also written for the congregation. That's why there's a lot of style. And in between, we see how some hymns and some poems, when they were originally written, they were for just writing, it was poetry. And then when they become a hymn, some verses are moved around, shifted around just to make it easier for a congregation or make it fit into the congregation. So that's something I also uh, advise people and something I've noticed and it's bitten me on the butt a few times when you see the original poem that we know as a hymn originally sometimes they're like 20 stanzas but then when they make it right. to the the hymn they're like five or six and it, that is the reason why if someone links you original hymn you might be like whoa we lost all these verses but that's the poem it becomes a hymn and that's very interesting history to get to know where uh, knowing the story behind hymns could add a lot more richness and add even sometimes entire stanzas. So maybe let's move into there with Abide With Me, getting back to that hymn. What is the value in getting beyond the hymn itself? It's a wonderful hymn. You mentioned some of those lines. I encourage people read the hymn, get to know it for yourself, maybe encourage your church to sing it. But what can be added to this hymn by knowing its background, its author, and some of those details. Maybe you could speak about that a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that, that's great. And, and uh, just a quick, a quick note, uh, as you were speaking, it reminded me of uh, the hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, and how it, it, wasn't, it wasn't written as a hymn. It was written to uh, comfort a dying mother on her deathbed. Um, and so that's, that's, that's so beautiful. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, and, and the, the hymn, hymn is mother. Um, in regards to Abide With Me, uh, so it was written by a man named Henry Light. Uh, he was a uh, Church of uh, England uh, member for his whole life. He was uh, the vicar at a very poor parish in a fishing town, uh, and his, his body was failing because of asthma and tuberculosis. Uh, and as he was preparing to leave this world um, and he was journeying, um, he, he, he wrote this um, he wrote this shortly before his, his last sermon on a Sunday, and it, it's, it's been said that uh, that last Sunday, he, he almost had to crawl, crawl to the pulpit, um, which was um, very, very emotional for him. Um, but at the same time, I, I think I remember reading about his sermon he shared, and it was just the most beautiful Christ-centered gospel presentation. Um, so yeah, learn, learning about that can really shed light into what's going on. He's He's writing because his body is failing him. Um, he wrote another hymn titled Praise My Soul, the King of Heaven, where he writes, uh, Father, like he tends and spares us, well our feeble frame he knows us. In his hands he gently bears us, rescues us from all our foes. And when I did a little bit of study, starting off studying Abide With Me, um, I, I, I read about Light, and it was very interesting. I learned that his father was... He's more interested in fishing than taking care of his family and how his father had left his family, and that really impacted uh, Henry. Uh, and so as someone whose earthly father is deceased and was never a part of my life, uh, just learning that gives the extra meaning to that, that first verse, Father like he tends us, right? Mm. Realizing that as Light was, was pinning this poem, uh, undoubtedly, he, I, I, know, I know as someone that does, doesn't have a father, I know undoubtedly that was going through his mind. Um, so it just it gives so much uh, depth and uh, ability to um, ability uh, to connect with and relate to another person, and it's 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 quite beautiful. Not only are we getting the 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 sympathy from the hymnist, uh, the hymn writer, and of course they're not they're not thinking of us, but I'm sure for the people that did write hymns, 
uh, for congregations. They were thinking about how it would be sung in congregations. Not only do we get that, um, but we get their writings from when they themselves were in times of trouble and distress. And I think that is what's really beautiful. Mm, that, that, that was really good. Thank you for, for sharing that. And I think that, that your testimony and thinking about the, the author here, that really presents us how so often when we're reading words or singing words, we just take on the tone of whatever we're feeling. And so often in Christian worship, the tone is uh, celebratory, it's triumphant. And I think that's great and fantastic. But as you mentioned, if you think about a hymn and realize that uh, a man is dying and he's writing this as he prepares for death, that could certainly bring other emotions out and bring us into sympathy where we're thinking about those low points where the person not had comfort because everything was going great and they saw God working in great and spectacular ways, but it comes from a place of knowing they'd be going to him soon and they're ministering in a congregation. So, and that, that's true with so many of the hymns where it adds so much texture, we could say, to the words we're singing when we know, oh, it's not just written to be catchy or it's not just written to rhyme. And of course, they often are catchy and they often do rhyme. And that's a wonderful aspect of the hymns where it was so that people, a lot of them could sing them easily. But it's also, that was a real person reflecting their real thoughts, their real journey with God. And that's something we can relate to in different ways, or we can be encouraged by or be drawn into remembrance by and that. That's a, a fantastic thing. And as you were saying that, uh, got me thinking about the Psalms, how often we'll skip it when we're reading it, but that little subscript that a lot of Psalms have where it mentions, oh, when David was here, or when David was doing this, or the sons of Korah doing that, or this and that, where even in scripture, we see this importance given to context sometimes where that shapes the way a psalm is read and that could be true of the hymns that could shape the way we read a hymn so th thank you for sharing that and maybe uh jumping out from there a little bit and again this is just a question that popped into my head as we're singing these hymns or as we're reading these hymns and we're thinking about the authors i know uh pragmatically speaking perhaps uh for a lot of, I know a lot of our friends, I know we've talked about it a few times, but for a lot of young men considering pastoral ministry, reading about the hymns and their authors, that's a great place to find sermon illustrations or introductions where uh, you'll find these great, amazing Christian heroes and stories. But I think for a lot of people, as you mentioned, learning a bit about the author, that led you to read about his sermon uh, before his death and learn a bit about his life and biography. Maybe you want to speak to how does learning about hymns and their authors introduce you to other Christian resources or other Christian literature? Is that something you find happens often as you get to know different hymn writers and their stories? Yeah, that's great. Um, Christian, I remember the week you uploaded your fifth episode on Cooper. Uh, it, it was a Monday, I believe. And the previous day, the Lord's Day, uh, we had just sang, there is a fountain. And my pastor had read an excerpt from Kenneth Osbeck's 101's Hymn Stories. Uh, and so my pastor just kind of talked about Cooper's uh, depression and his uh, befriending Newton and other things. And so I, I just remember watching your video and saying, hey, I should, I should really study these hymns that I sing at church. And so that really is really what uh, set, set me uh, really into studying it. And so I, I started studying Cooper some more. Um, and that just sent me into this whole, I, I don't know if I want to say rabbit hole, but I really got uh, delve into study of uh, depression and uh, loneliness. And I, you know, I, I, 
I really I started studying Spurgeon and his own depression. Mm. Uh, that led me to to really study Spurgeon a whole lot, and that was extremely extremely edifying. And so, um, yeah, uh, starting off reading hymnody, um, every time I go to church and we, we sing a hymn that I haven't heard before, um, I, I go home and I, I, I research that hymn and the, the person that write it. Uh, and of course I am let down because I realize it's just an alias of Fanny Crosby. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but, um, it, it introduces you not, not only to the person that wrote the hymn, but also to the theological context in which they wrote it right right and and that's such a, a true part of studying hymns and I, i've experienced that as well where a lot of the times fanny crosby of course but uh, a lot of hymns you'll you'll realize oh it's another charles wesley and we we get to know him at a certain point but it's nice where a lot of those times as you mentioned if you look at uh, some of those hymns and that's something i experienced recently talking about charles wesley's and, and the earthquake hymns where a lot of these hymns you get to know the story either you're meeting an entirely new character full of interesting stories and contexts and sermons and getting to know just another brother or sister in church history other times you'll get to know oh it's john newton again it's charles wesley again it's fanny crosby again but it might be a point in their life and you're getting to know an interesting story of this person of faith going through something and expressing that. So I think uh, for people who are looking for devotional resources or looking for places of encouragement or looking for places, maybe someone who shared their struggle before, starting with hymns is a great place to not only read a wonderful poem or a wonderful hymn, but it gets you into so much more if you look for it. And I, I think you, you exemplified there how just reading about him and getting into a story and I know we talked about this quite a bit has led you on a study that has better equipped you to speak about depression and mental anxiety and all those different conversations that are very real very pastoral and people need comfort in those situations and church history is just another resource hymns are just another resource that come alongside big ones like scripture and prayer that we'd be wise to make use of so th thank you for mentioning that uh I, sorry, I went on a bit there, but I'm getting excited thinking about it. I want to read yeah, more hymns exciting. now. Yeah, so maybe maybe from there, those were the big questions I want to ask. But before I let you have your closing thoughts and uh, say whatever you want to say, maybe I'll just ask you right now on the spot, you did not prepare for this at all. Maybe you're nervous about that right now, but really it's just a, a quick question. Alongside Abide With Me, this hymn that got you through a hard time, what are maybe three other hymns right now that you can speak on, like just mention that are really good. You recommend that people who are listening or watching to this check out. What are three hymns that just hit the spot for you, perhaps? Yeah, that's 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 a good question. Um, the first one that comes to mind is Rock of Ages. Mm -hmm. it, it was is it's I mean the the writing there is just so beautiful and so touching. But what's also really cool about that one is not only do I get to read. Uh, the writer, of course, uh, who we both are acquainted with. Not do I. Not only do I get to read him in him, but I get to read him in theological treatises and stuff like uh, his uh, arguments against Arminianism or so something like that. So right. that that's really cool. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. So that would be one. Um, just from a perspective of uh, something I'm grateful for is uh, there is a fountain. It's 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 so touching. Uh, to be able to realize that those words could be uttered and pinned down in such depression 
Mm. And if, um, if that could happen, you know, surely I can be grateful in all things. And so, so that, that, that's another one I would, I would definitely say is just stunning. Um, hymns are really versatile. Like I can, um, I can, so, so I, I really like church architecture and th this is an anecdote, but I really like church architecture. And um, so a lot of times I'll, I'll travel to different places and I'll photograph churches, but most of the churches I, I'll photograph, the, the really big ones, they're very run down. I've visited some uh, ones where there's been fires. And so there's this hymn uh, titled uh, Built on the Rock, the Church Doth Stand. Mm. Um, and the first stanza goes, uh, even when steeples are falling, Christ builds his church in every land. Uh, still while the bells are chiming and calling. Um, so, so I remember there was a time where I was uh, kind of saddened at the, the, the church in America, its decline. And that hymn really spoke to me, um, realizing that Christ's true, true church will always, will, will always be here and the, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Um, so yeah, that, that, that's just another anecdote to show that the powerful uh application of hymns to everyday life um so yeah th those would be some of my favorites um uh, thy strong word is is a very uh beautiful hymn that i i like as well i like a lot of hymns nice that that's great and i love how when i i asked you a question not prepared at all you had three different hymns and a fourth one just to, to add on there, but they all come with a bit of a story attached to them where you think of the hymn, you love the hymn, but there's also uh, for the first one, knowing a bit about the author and how his theological writings have been a resource to you. The second one draws you into gratefulness where you think it was written in this place, like thinking about that struggle and how we have so much to be grateful for acknowledging our blessings. And then that very like, that salient point about how this hymn just speaks to the churches around you and you related to your experience visiting churches and just thinking about the church as a body in North America. And that is such a wonderful thing. I think that's a big part of getting to know hymnody where it's not something you do in isolation as you're reading the hymns, as you're thinking about them, you're attaching it to bits of your walk with God and seeing how those words reflect different questions, struggles, or even just interests we have. I, I think that's fantastic. And it speaks to, as you mentioned, the versatility of hymns and how they relate to our lives. So thank you for sharing that. That That's wonderful. And from there, I, I think we're nearing the end here. You've said so many wonderful things. And I think a lot of people listening to this day, well, they better start checking out some hymns now after you said all that. But I'll let you close it here on your words. And I'll, I'll have my little closing after. But maybe right now, and this is something I try to do with all my guests, what is one encouragement or perhaps word or lesson or instruction, whatever you want, what would you leave my audience with now? Yeah, um, I would say a couple things. Uh, firstly, if this has sparked anyone's interest, um, I, I don't think you would after watching this, but um, I don't I don't think people would go into hymns, um, and this is a warning against that, don't go into studying hymns as you would study, um, say, like uh, dogmatic theology. Don't, don't look at hymns as some propositional truth that you are going to read out of context and try to derive truth from that. Well, propositionally of course there, there's so much truth um this is really something that requires study into context um and into situations and cultures uh which is really uh where the beauty comes from uh but i would also say to the person that like us that that, that loves hymns and cherishes hymnody um don't be discouraged in encouraging more people to to learn about about them i know there's 
there a lot of people are they just want to listen to their hill song and again this is not to to bash uh very evangelical worship um but present it as a valid and i would argue um more preferable alternative to uh a, a liturgical worship uh I, I would encourage the person to actually um, consider ways that hymnody can be argued for as a an edifying and beneficial part of worship, right? Uh, how it how it brings people together in song, how it uh, stories can be uh, brought together, and how everyone can e experience what's going on uh, when you're singing this, and how you can d discuss. Oh, well, that 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 stanza really point uh, stuck out to me during service. Oh, yeah, that that was great. I'm so glad we could talk about that stanza over lunch. Um, so yeah, it's it's really a communal thing. Um, and it really gets to the heart of Christian uh, sanctification. Mm. Amen to that. And as you're saying that, it, it just brought to mind when we think about hymns and worship and as a teaching tool, even where as a youth leader, thinking back to my time doing that, when you ask youth a question and maybe Merrick, you've seen this or been in that position where someone asks you a theological question, a lot of people, the first place they go to is a line from a song that they know, that they sung, that they memorized. And I think if we know and love the hymns, they offer those brilliant one-liners or stanzas that really reflect theological consideration, thought, and just scriptural awareness a lot better than a lot of other places. So I would encourage people, if you're thinking about how do I raise up children in our church well and get them thinking about theology, having them sing the hymns and know the hymns, I think that is just building on a wonderful foundation that just adds to their, not only their knowledge, but their ability to express express the beauty and the truth of the Christian faith. So sure. Merrick, thank you for sharing that. Thank you for answering these questions and being here with us. You have been an absolute delight to have on the channel. I'm sure I will have you on again in the future. I encourage everyone now, look in the description down below. Not only will I have the hymn we talked about today, but check out Merrick's blog. He's got wonderful pieces on there. And I hope, I hope, very much hope that there will be a lot more to come in the future. You have a brilliant mind and a lot of great things to say. So again, thank you for being with us. Yeah, thank you. Um, I really appreciate what you've done for uh, uh, introducing hymnody and uh, church history here on uh, the internet. But uh, not even just on the internet, but I, I think of how I've uh, shared what I've learned from you with others in real life. And so that's been a great benefit. So thank you. Oh, I'm very happy to hear that. That That is heartwarming. So everyone, thank you for joining us today on Christian's Colloquy. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you will check out the things we were talking about. And I hope that I will see you again here next week for another episode or whatever else we got going on. Take care. <laughs>